0: Now it is This Week in Moab, I'm your host Howard Trenholm, I will be with you for the next hour along with a host of guests, some live in the studio, which is wonderful once again, and some reaching out via um, the old Zoom mechanisms that you may still remember. First guest will be Emily Robertson, who is the Youth Garden Project's Executive Director, and then Carl Hunt will be my last guest this evening with Utah Forestry, Fire and State Lands. I'm gonna talk about fire sense in this exceptional drought, which I think is as crucial as everything else we're facing right now. But um to get rolling here, Emily is gonna talk a little bit about the Youth Garden Project, which she may kn- she probably knows this, but it's it's got a big birthday this year.
1: Yeah, this is my first uh live on air interview, so <laughs>
0: Well, why don't you introduce are yourself you to me, Are you know what I mean? I've, I've yeah. met a few executive directors over the years. Sure. I have to say, I'm not a, I'm not such a new DJ, one might say. <laughs> so, welcome to the fold of the Youth Garden Project. Why don't you, for those that never don't, don't know, a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what, how did you come here? Just you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm Emily. I am the executive director at the Youth Garden Project, as Howard mentioned. Um, yeah, I just, I love the youth garden. I got started with the youth garden back in 2017. Um, I did a six-month garden internship, uh, and that was just For me to get more familiar with uh, how food is grown, I had found myself in college very interested in sustainable agriculture and education. Um, Where did you go to college? Yeah, I went to the University of South Dakota uh, and studied sustainability and anthropology. So I've always been kind of interested in this intersection of food, people, the environment. Um, Yeah, and so very practically, I was like, well, if these... Are kind of where my interests are. I need to learn how to grow them and get more hands-on uh, experience. And so I took a trip to Moab, uh, fell in love with the youth garden and Moab as a community. Um, and yeah, just found myself here a few years later when a full-time position opened up as the outreach and development coordinator. Where
0: did you? Were you in the Dakotas too? Did you grow up in the Dakotas? Uh,
1: partially. Partially. Yep. Yeah, I grew up. The first, like my youngest years in Washington state um, and then fourth grade, moved out to South Dakota and then stayed there through college, moved out to Colorado briefly after college and lived in the Greeley and sort of northern Colorado area um, before coming here.
0: And how did MOA pop onto your radar, so to speak?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. In college, I was involved in an organization called AWOL, Alternative Week of Off-Campus Learning. Um, and led a couple service learning trips for um, my peers through that program. Um, One of them was to Denver and focused on urban agriculture. And then uh, my senior year, I did one with a a co-lead doing uh, work with uh, trail mix, actually, out here in Moab. So we helped build part of the, uh, I think, uh, Chisholm Trail. Okay. Uh, the mountain there's biker
0: quite a group. few trails out there yeah
1: yeah there are many there's trails a very busy I, group <laughs> I'm not a mountain biker and so I'm like uh, I think that's what it's called um, yeah so that's how I ended up in Moab the first time um, I knew I really loved the southwest because the year previous to that I had done an internship out in Los Alamos and that was my first time ever in the southwest oh. and I said yes this environment the communities this is for me I love the dry weather yeah all and bit. so
0: you are. And now you're the executive director of a, of a very well-established non-profit yes. 25 years ago. Sarah Heffern, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. she's, um, she's from the same place I'm from, from oh, really? the island across the way there. She's from England, okay. I believe. I may be mistaken, but I'm pretty certain she is. Mm-hmm. And she started this wonderful extension, you know, bringing gardening to the youth specifically, teaching them young. And hopefully that remains with them. So why don't you tell us about what's, how the things at the Youth Garden in 2022
1: yeah uh we are growing as ever um the past few years has seen definitely an increase in our production capacity you know so we are the youth garden project but we're very much operating um like a a small scale organic farm um And so, yeah, last year we grew over 7,000 pounds of produce, and I think we're on track to probably grow as much this year.
0: In realistic terms, how many families is that feeling, would you say, if you put it into those terms?
1: It's funny that you asked that, because I was trying to, like, come up with a quick calculation for that before this. I was like, what is the average, like, amount of fruits and vegetables someone eats in a year? Um... Realistically, you know, we have 30 community-supported agriculture members, um, and those are folks who pay in the beginning of the season and receive produce um, on a biweekly basis, and so they're um, a big part of our produce distribution, but not the majority, you know. Um, I would say it's about 30% of our produce is going to CSA members, um... Another 20 or so percent is going to our programs. So back into snacks for the kids, um, cooking workshops, things like that. Um, And then, yeah, we actually do a lot of uh, produce sales online. Um, We go to market. And then we donate um, a good percentage, another twenty percent, to um, our community partners, uh, Moab the Moab Valley Multicultural and Center and Sea Caveen. So that's awesome. Yeah. All yeah. right. So yeah. that's just
0: kind of a nice, simple um, seven thousand pounds of produce. How many gardens do you have um, to produce <laughs> yeah. all of that, along with <laughs> all the great, great kids that you know, obviously, you're teaching as well.
1: Yes. Um, it is a big task, and you know part of the reason it's grown so much is because we've really pushed ourselves to grow more in the the shoulder seasons so like the spring and fall um, and using some of our indoor growing spaces to to extend that because when people come to visit the youth garden kids and adults it's really fun you know even if it is January February to see things growing Um, uh, but yeah returning to your original question
0: (laughs) keep going this is good no (laughs) How many gardeners?
1: Oh, how many gardeners, yes. Uh, So right now we have a full-time firm manager, full-time produce manager. Um, We have one uh, seasonal person who spends about half their time um, in the garden. And then, of course, we've got um, just a, a bunch of volunteers and kids that do help out. Yep.
0: For those perhaps maybe tuning in for the first time, they have no idea what the Youth Garden Project is. How would you describe it to them?
1: Yeah, so I could just say our mission, Um, first of all, which is that we cultivate healthy children, families, and communities through educational programs and connecting people with food from seat to table. And so historically, the Youth Garden Project was started in Sarah Heffron's backyard um, as a place for youth who um, needed a place to Uh, finish out court ordered community service hours to do that in a nurturing environment. I didn't know that. uh, Yeah. Interesting. Um, Yeah. And then also, um, the counterpart of providing sort of a hands-on, um, interdisciplinary way for, for especially adolescents at the time to take the lessons they were learning in the classroom and apply them to real life. Um, and of course just getting kids acquainted with the food system. Um, You know, if you talk to some kids who don't have any experience with gardening, it's like, where does your food come from? Oh, it comes from the grocery store. Well, like, well, where does that food come from? You know, so in a very real sense, we're teaching kids like, okay, this is where your food comes from. It comes from this plant. This is what a pepper plant or tomato plant, grapevine. That's what all these things look like. And this is how they're grown. Um, And so that's. Where we got started, um, and ever since then, you know, we've been just growing and adding more programs and um, finding a way to continue to meet community needs, and so. That has expanded into, you know, a lot of people know us through our, our summer camp program.
0: Yeah, uh, feel free to um, jump into that too because obviously mm-hmm. the summer season is almost upon us and you've yes. been for, for decades, Twenty, I don't know how long, maybe 25 <laughs> years, maybe not that long, but it seems like a long yeah. time offering these great summer programs for the kids, mm-hmm. which are a lot more than gardening too. I mean, you just mm-hmm. really become yes. camps, absolutely youth garden camp.
1: Yeah, so the garden is this wonderful space that brings people together and what we're able to achieve with that space kind of really depends on what program we're offering and and what people are hoping to get out of it too. Um, but yes, so summer camp is a huge program, um, for us and is a huge need in the community. We're one of, we are the only organization that offers a full nine weeks of full day camp, um, that's on offered on a sliding scale, um, to make it affordable for families. Um, you know, and we get some, the families can sign up their kids, um, a week at a time. So sometimes we see one kid for one week. Um, sometimes we get them for the whole summer. Um, and that's, that's really fun. And, and yeah, a lot of people might assume that, you know, we get the kids to the garden. They're just weeding all day. It's the worst thing. It's hot. They're close you know? <laughs> to the of that
0: age and that size. It's much easier than it is when you're an adult and taller.
1: Oh, they're like, Oh, I have to go to the youth garden. No. Um, so each of the weeks are, uh, based on a different theme um you know for example we've got a water week we've got cooking week we've got um like theater week and and different things to get kids engaged um who have different interests and helping them cultivate those interests uh and then the activities for that week are are really based around that theme and they use the garden as as the place for where those activities take place sometimes using the food that is grown there sometimes not and then um you know we take excursions out to the pool and to rotary park and sure
0: so. where do you i mean obviously the the summer season is also quite busy for the gardeners mm-hmm. so where do you do you off, do you have do you need help and support And are need any call out for volunteers mm-hmm. out there to assist with these programs
1: Yes, absolutely. Anyone who wants to get involved at the Youth Garden Project can give us a call, shoot us an email. How would I do
0: that? Yeah. As soon as i going to be sitting with a pen right now. Absolutely. Maybe in their get car driving listening to the radio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, easy peasy. So um, for those of you who are, are fans of an online form, uh, you can fill out a volunteer application on our website at youthgardenproject.org volunteer. Um, but we are also, our phone lines are open anytime Uh, Call and leave us a message at 435-259-BEAN and just say, hey, I heard about the Youth Garden Project on KZMU. I want to get involved. And what involvement looks like can depend on who wants to get involved, too. So, you know, we do have a variety of things going on. And so if someone's like, I really, really want to learn how to garden, like that's what I want to do. Maybe you should volunteer on Mondays or Tuesdays. We do big harvest days on those days, and you'll get involved with harvesting, processing food that goes out into the community. Um, If you're interested in volunteering because you want to meet other folks in the community, I would suggest um, one of our flagship events, which is Weed and Feed. This happens every other week uh, throughout the entire growing season, April to October, On Wednesday nights at 6 to 8 p.m. Not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday is the next one. Uh, And you just show up, no RSVP needed. You can, um, we'll do like introductions at the beginning, and then everyone just weeds and hangs out and chats for about an hour, hour and a half. And then we also uh, recruit volunteer chefs. Usually they're groups from other nonprofits or businesses in town or just friends who would like to cook a meal together to share with the community. So, yeah, it's weed and feed because you weed for an hour and a half and then you get free food. um, that's garden fresh. Uh, And it's just we've I've heard time and time again how many folks, when they were new to Moab, um, came to weed and feed. That's how they kind of started to get. Yeah, that's how they started to get engaged with the community, meet other people um, and feel like, you know, they're giving back to the community as well and. and contributing to this beautiful space well there's a certain
0: value of getting to know people who are quite willing to get their hands in the dirt of this earth i mean it does say Mm -hmm. something about the person that's doing that so i think gardening unites them in a way it's like wow you're not the only one that does this so it's great what other events i know you have a lot of fundraising events because you you do need funds for all these positions Mm -hmm. including yourself and everything else and and growing it needs Mm -hmm. seed money you need to buy Mm -hmm. seeds Mm -hmm. um etc um what was my where was i going with that i don't know
1: Yeah. Well, I can can (laughs) can speak to that. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, I'm going to take you back a step, though, and just say that uh, to touch on kind of that connection piece of connecting people. um, I've really been thinking, you know, what is the core thing that's tying all of our programs together? You know, all the food that we're growing and all of these events that we host and the programs that we offer for children and adults. And it's really this idea of connection. Um, We live in what feels like to me and I from what I hear to others, uh, an increasingly kind of disconnected society, you know, we're on our screens, we're at work on our screens, we go home. Pandemic. We're on our screens. Yeah, the pandemic definitely exacerbated that feeling for a lot of folks. Um, and so what the garden offers is this free public space where you can connect to the earth, you can connect to the food system and learn about farming and, and who's growing your food and these things. Um and you can connect to your community, the members of your community, um, the different organizations and businesses that make this community so vibrant. Um, and then, you know, there's the the parts of um, our educational mission, which is, you know, taking the lessons that kids are learning in the classroom and applying them to real life, you know, because I know growing up, in math class you're like what what does this even mean like when am I going to use this but then you come to the youth garden and you're learning how to measure out ingredients um, and you're taking those skills and applying them um, to something very real and very tangible Um, and so that's what a lot of our our in-school programs focus on is is connecting that those those school lessons to to real life Um, and so, yeah, it's just the Youth Garden Project, it's just a connector. It's this free space in the community where people can come, meet each other, hang out. And how often in our society are there spaces like that where you can just go and be for free that you don't have to drive to? Because obviously we live in a place that has bountiful public lands, mm-hmm. um, but not you know in the center of town. We look to parks. We look to to places like the youth garden for, what, for that.
0: Your location is just wonderful. I mean, obviously being close to the youth, being that close to the new middle school and high school, mm-hmm. but also on mm-hmm. the parkway, because it's mm-hmm. a very visual mm-hmm. place. And there are a lot of people commuting up and down that mm-hmm. parkway. Mm-hmm. And what do they see but a beautiful garden? And you know, it's, and, and you talk about sustainability, and you live in a mm-hmm. community that's very engaged with that on a greater level too. You know, the city and county both, kudos to both of them for following a sustainable path. Absolutely. And, you know, this is we're kind of leading the way and it comes back to gardening because Mm -hmm. right now we're facing these huge costs of inflation because so much food has to come into us and we're isolated. So we're always going to pay a higher price because Mm -hmm. we choose to live in this community. But Mm -hmm. we have a fertile valley, Mm -hmm. one of the most fertile valleys that's ever been in this very arid Mm -hmm. desert it's a wonderful growing thing, and you know it's nice to see people going back to the roots mm-hmm. of gardening. And what water we have, we're using it preciously. Yeah. Gray water can be used for irrigation, for example. So, yeah. you know, kudos to what you're doing, and it needs you know youth coming in and an executive level revives these organizations too. It keeps that, you know, yeah. that youth spirit, just saying, yeah, we can do this, and Absolutely. you can change the world. Moab is changing the world. People just can't yeah. see it.
1: What you know? What is the value of of an organization like ours? Uh, you know, it's it's inspirational. It's motivating. It's feeling like you have a support system if you want to try gardening at home. You know, we have our plant sale every year that tons of people come out to new gardeners and you know very experienced gardeners and and just knowing that there's a space in the community. Where when they
0: is that sale? Isn't that coming up?
1: Oh, it already happened. It but happened. And it was good. It was really really they successful. Yeah we have a few plants left. We're trying to rehome them by the end of this week. They are 30% off. You can go on our website and buy them. If you're like, okay, I don't know if I want a full garden, but I could grow one basil plant. You know, we have that. We can do that.
0: Now, how is your sustainability going just as an organization? Do you feel that there's a good, you've got mechanisms in place that are helping funds mm-hmm. so the outreach beyond that is a lot simpler, mm-hmm. maybe not that, you know, mm-hmm. go without it, but
1: yeah, yeah. You know, one thing about the Youth Garden Project, we're a very community-based organization. Um, and so a lot of our funding does come from within our community, and that's wonderful. We're, in terms of funding, very diverse. You know, we get grant funding from various sources. Um, we get business sponsorships um, for events like the Harvest Festival. We run Um an array of community events like garden dinners, our plant sale, um, an online auction fundraiser that get lots of folks involved. Um, And then we do just have um, a wonderful community of uh, donors and supporters that um, provide a lot of the income um, for our organization. So, You know, I would say as executive director, I think it would be, (laughs) I would be remiss not to say that, you know, it's never too late to get involved with the youth garden, whether it's through volunteerism, Um, donating your time is absolutely one of the most wonderful things that you can do for your community and for the youth garden. Um, But also, yeah, we are um, always looking for people to invest in our mission and um, it's really any dollar amount is um very very valuable to us and, and very appreciate it so yeah it, it's wonderful that people can support us through a variety of ways whether it's buying produce volunteering doing all these things so yeah.
0: let me um ask uh, a couple of questions not necessarily directly but maybe because mm-hmm. you need to inform and educate me because it's maybe already happening is there a farmer's market again happening do you have any yes, other yeah I, thought I saw something yeah swanee park
1: yes yep so, so the la- first one of the season was last week um I could be wrong. I think it is every other Thursday. Okay. Um, and it's called, yeah, the Arts and Egg Market, put on by uh, the Mark the Moab Arts and Recreation Center. Uh, vendors
0: so. go. Does the Youth Garden go there uh, as a vendor? Are you a absolutely. vendor? There? So you're mm-hmm. That's great mm-hmm. to see it back. I mean, it, that was missed. Mm-hmm. You know, the pandemic, really, another great gathering of the farmers yeah. coming into town, you know, and bringing their produce. So it's yeah. great that it's back. So every other Thursday.
1: Yeah, and it's in Swanee Park again, which is really wonderful because um, the shade is nice, especially when you're selling produce. You want it to be like... You
0: know. Well it's, it's great that you've emerged as a non-profit, I mean a lot of people here that have long memories will remember the chocolate lovers fling which was a big <laughs> thing, a lot of work for the org, you know, For the, mm-hmm. and I understand why these events can't sustain themselves because the, sometimes the work involved, you don't really get as much benefit mm-hmm. from the event. The mm-hmm. pumpkin Chuckin' was another one that mm-hmm. will always be remembered yeah. amongst many I'll people. And that again kind of became a victim of its own success. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of takes away from your purpose sometimes if you're, because yeah. mu- it's, it's a big event to organize. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can just, you know, do in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It takes months of organizing. Yeah. But,
1: well, every event uh, that we put on and that any organization puts on is always a, a balance of, um, you know, how much time are we putting yeah. into it and how mission oriented yeah. is it? You know, so uh, some of our events, you know, we probably are kind of breaking even on, but they're extremely mission oriented and get people engaged um, with the garden and feeling really um, involved with the community and and like, you know, part of something, right? Um, and that's really, really valuable and it's not something you can really put a price on.
0: Well, it's interesting you come in at this, you know, pivotal 25-year point because I think the seeds that have been planted in this garden are v- grown into a phenomenal organization, mm-hmm. and I think the next 25 years looks really bright. I mean, I, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's established now, which is amazing. It's hard getting nonprofits off the ground, so mm-hmm. a big tip of the hat to those early founders of these nonprofits. Yeah. That really, it was truly a labor of love for them, yeah. and I think always has been, mm-hmm. and, th- and I'm sure it must tickle them pink to see you know, flourishing and doing so well. I mean, one of the things that I think you've adapted to is the online auction, which is Mm -hmm. probably one of your... You know, as far as weighing up (laughs) the decisions, what you (laughs) go into, I think they're becoming more and more popular as fundraising. Mm But um, all your events seem very fun. You know, you bring people together. You know, you're at the heart of the community. So I I think Moab's a mosaic of all these wonderful nonprofits. And when you look at us collectively, it's, it's really synergy because we are not your typical town anywhere. And I think that's one of the things, it's the magic of this town, is the pure volunteerism. I mean, look mm-hmm. at this station. We're the same thing. We're all fueled by volunteerism. So cool. There's yeah. a few, you know, four mm-hmm. or five paid employees here and mm-hmm. the rest of it. And it's community fuel too. It's ours. Absolutely. So thanks for what you do for the garden. Any last little, um, you got a few minutes of free airtime. Feel free to promote shamelessly your nonprofit. That's what we're here for.
1: <laughs> well, I already talked about volunteering, but I just want to stress that it's, so valuable to our organization and really fun um it, we just we have a really good time and um yeah uh, a few things that i would love uh, to say on air uh the youth garden project the space itself is open and free to the public anyone can visit if you see us there that's okay you can come by say hi to the chickens if you have a question about your garden ask one of us um, we love when people come by to visit that's that's part of the reason why, you know, we're we're a public space and you know We're not membership based. You don't have to pay to get in We're free and I know so many families in town who make us part of their regular walking around, come visit together and I love that um, Other than that, yeah uh, we have Let's see, one uh, program that I'm very excited about and is still fairly new, we're going into, I think our fourth year is Seed Crew. Um, And this is our job training and youth development program for teens ages 14 to 18. Um, Applications are closed for this year, but I just want all of you listening out there who have teens, maybe you are uh, in high school, to pay attention to this program because it's um, it's really fun. It's a great first job. We really do a lot to um, to make it a, an engaging and a fun environment for them. And uh, if if you're really interested in culinary arts, or if you're really interested in um, yeah, just getting involved with um, agriculture and thinking about it as a career pathway, this is a great opportunity that's here. It's local um, and. Yes, yeah, is uh, a, a really cool thing that um, I'm excited about and gets well, back to how, Thanks uh, for all yeah. the
0: great food you produce. Because I was just thinking about food that comes out and how chefs, you know, they look for the finest ingredients because they're artists too. I mean, people want under- to mm-hmm. underappreciate true chefs. They want to delight your taste buds mm-hmm. and they do it with their, you know, however they can. They don't want to make you throw up. They want to make you enjoy things and not, yeah. and every chef will tell you the freshest ingredients the ones oh, that yeah. you can source mm-hmm. close to the where they're grown are the very best ones. Everybody knows. The- the stuff grown in your backyard. It's just that energy. You can taste it, can't you?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I've never had a better salad than a salad that was grown at the youth garden. I look forward to it every spring.
0: Thank you so much, Emily, for coming up to the studio today. We'll check in with you later on in the year, maybe, and see how things are going. You seem very natural up here. It's a very easy guest. So thanks for being up here, and we wish you luck. hope the season grows well, and the the cool spell didn't wipe out too many of your crops. I know it was a bit rough for some people. It was a little cooler than normal.
1: Yeah. Everything's growing. Everything is thriving. And yeah, thank you so much for having me here. This has been wonderful. All
0: right. Thanks a lot, Emily. I'm going to do a quick musical interlude before my next guest is in the studio. Enjoy this. May have heard some voices in the background there. They were not ghosts. I am actually now in a Zoom call on the same computer. Hopefully my guest can hear me and see me even, Carl. Yes, I can. Can I can hear hear you too. That's awesome. How are you, Carl? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Who are you?
2: Yes. So I am uh, Carl Hunt. I'm the public information officer for the Utah Division of Forestry, Fire, and State Lands. Um, And we just kicked off our second year of our Fire Sense campaign to raise awareness around you know wildfires and how we as citizens of the state can really prevent these human caused wildfires because that seemed to be a big issue when it comes to wildfires and we're just trying to raise the awareness for prevention to keep our natural resources beautiful that we have in the state
0: why don't you scare the heck out of us first and just tell us quite how bad it is i mean how historic this particular moment in time is for utah
2: you know it's it's not It's not looking great right now. Um, We are currently in year eight out of 10 years of drought conditions. um, And it's projected to be dry for the months of June and July, just as dry as it's kind of been in the past. Um, So, yeah, things are getting drier. Things will burn easier. um, And so it's going to take a lot of extra effort on our parts as Utahns to use our fire sense. That's why we call it fire sense. Use that fire sense to prevent these wildfires from starting.
0: And of course, um, it's not like Utah is an unpopular place with visitors too, is it?
2: No, it is a very big uh, popular place with recreation. Um, And that's one thing that we've noticed since the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, people got locked down. Now they're coming out and they want to be outside. They want to enjoy it. And so people are spending that time outside a lot more than they have in the past. And they're coming to Utah. We've got great resources. We've got great places to go. And so, you know, use that common sense uh, when you're out there. If you're going to have a campfire, make sure it's doused. Make sure you drown that campfire. It's cold when you leave it. Uh, that's one of our biggest causes of wildfires is people, they think their campfire's out, and then they leave.
0: It's interesting. It wasn't. You mentioned that I was live in the studio about last June, looking out the window to Pack Creek, which you can see from the studio here, and watch that flume of smoke from exactly what you talked about. A camper up in that campground had not extinguished their fire, and it almost set our whole mountain ablaze, which is tough around here because our forest resources are so limited. That's our only forest land of sorts
2: correct um and that's that's the thing that we want to get out for people to understand is that you know a small fire can turn into a big raging wildfire especially in these dry conditions that we currently have you know and so just just use those common sense things the things that you've kind of always been taught you've always been told that
0: Remind them, remind everybody, because sometimes people don't have common sense because they haven't heard this before. So please assume that we're ignorant, okay, that we don't have (laughs) no common sense. Remind us what that requires.
2: Yeah, like what I said with campfires, you know, make sure you drown them. Make sure it's cold to the touch. Pour water on it, stir it up. Pour water on again, stir it up. When it's cold to the touch, you're good to leave. Uh, One of our other biggest issues is agriculture and debris burning. So people right now are getting their fields ready. They're getting their ditches ready for irrigation. um, And if you're not doing it in controllable conditions, so like don't do it on a windy day, windy day can take that ember and it can burn. It can burn your field, but it can also burn a lot of other um, neighboring areas, which leads to a bigger wildfire that we want to eliminate. And then the other one is when you're outdoor recreating, pull your trailer chains up. If you're pulling a trailer, you wanna get those chains off the ground because roadside starts are a very big issue for us as well. And not only that, but pay attention to what's behind you. Uh, There's other times people have like, you know, they, they get a flat tire on their trailer and it causes a spark, starts a roadside fire. So just some of those little things, maintenance on your vehicles and trailers, pull those chains up, dash your campfires, And just pay attention to conditions when you decide, you know, you're going to either do an agriculture or a debris burn, or even if you're going to have a campfire, don't make it big, keep it small.
0: It's interesting. um, Some of the notes I have here, and this is obviously from a firefighting standpoint, that the reservoirs are really low in water right now. So God forbid a fire does break out, which inevitably they will, the resources available to fight those fires are also kind of being in jeopardy.
2: Correct. And that's, That's another thing that we're, you know, trying to get that message out is, you know, we're in a drought. We say conserve water um, because we need it for drinking and down the road, but it is also a tool in fighting a fire. And if we don't have that resource, it's a lot harder for us to do our jobs of putting out those fires and containing
0: them. Okay. Let me ask you a question. I mean, you talked about this necessary for fire sense. Obviously, we've shown a great lack of it. Do you have any stats on the numbers of fires that were human caused, perhaps? Uh, uh,
2: yes. Um, we had, I believe it was.
0: You can look on your computer. I can see you doing this, too. It's great. Nice. <laughs> yes.
2: Uh, nationally, though, I will say nationally. I love Zoom. Nine out of ten uh, wildfires are caused um, by humans wow nationally.
0: nine out of ten.
2: Nine yeah. out of ten here in the state though we do a lot better job it's it's six out of ten ish so it's still not great um but it's better than the national average and last year we were able to reduce those uh human-caused fires by 50 percent wow and so we we limited it so i mean it's more than 500 wildfires that we were able to uh, reduced last year that were strictly human caused. Um, this year though, we've had 104 wildfires on record
0: already uh, this year,
2: already this year. Wow. And granted they've been small. Most of them have been small, Okay. but 94 of them have been human caused. Mm. So we're at that nine out of 10 right now, oh, wow. that same range. So again, we want to encourage people to use that, use that fire sense to limit that and bring that number down as we head into the drier seasons.
0: Let me ask you what resources you have available to your department. Obviously, you're using public radio as one means to get the word out, but what other resources do you have available from the state to, to kind of get the message out?
2: Yeah, so we, uh, we're doing a big push on social media. That's where a lot of people kind of get their information. Um, you know, your listeners can follow us at Utah Fire Info. That's our, uh, we've got a Twitter, Facebook, and an Instagram um, where we will update um, incidents when we have a wildfire uh, so they can stay up to date on what's going on there. But we're also really pushing this messaging through there as, as well. Uh, we're, we've got a billboard campaign that they'll see pop up throughout the areas um, that's just a reminder of, hey, if you're going out, make sure you do you know X, Y, Z to really drive home that messaging.
0: I think also maybe developing a sense of empathy for those those wildland firefighters out there who gotta be just exhausted because they have had no break. You know, I mean I mean they're I mean, I admire these they're incredibly brave people that do this to prevent damage, but we put I mean, you're just saying ninety percent of the reasons this happened is fellow humans are doing this to them. So it's a good stock and balance for all of us to take note and say yes. But think about what danger you're putting these firefighters into too. Any, Correct. any advisements on that to just be a bit of no, a and I, say, get a grip, everybody be sensible.
2: I, and that's, and that's really what it is, is, you know, there's, there's a human element to fighting a fire and it's, it can be a hands-on approach where you have firefighters that are there with an initial attack, attacking that fire, usually other resources to do it, but they're there on the ground doing it. Um, and just to kind of keep it in, in the region We see that in New Mexico, they've got a big fire there. There's a lot of resources that are tied to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if that breaks out here, we have to throw a lot of resources at that. And it takes that human toll and, you know, protecting human life is one of the biggest things that they'll do, not only just the firefighters, but the people that are affected by this wildfire communities um, and those homeowners.
0: Let me ask you that that's a great that's a great point I mean you're talking about personal protection I mean there's I talked to a fire a former firefighter a friend of mine from Idaho and he would say if he, you know all the residents were warned to not have a lot of scrub or brush around their structures and if you're a firefighter and somebody has neglected to do that, they're not going to save your house because you have not done any preventative maintenance and it's too dangerous for the firefighters. So is there any advisement, safe for property owners and, uh, and debris piles up and what that can do and vegetation overgrowth, et cetera?
2: Yeah. So homeowners, you know, they have a responsibility in this, landowners as well, to reduce the flammable material that is around their property and their homes. Um, and creating that defensible space where if a fire comes toward your property, it's a safe area where the firefighters can put up a defense to beat that back from your property. Uh, So just cleaning up debris, Uh, anything on patios that can catch fire. If they catch an ember during a wildfire, that can go up and that can get your home on fire as well. So just clean up spring clean get rid of the debris piles keep wood piles away from the house a lot of people like to stack them right next to it move them away um and just you're creating that defensible space that allows firefighters to do their job to um help save the structures
0: very good um what do you? I mean, what do you? What are the plans for the future? I mean, this drought doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Obviously, it's a seasonal thing, and you can get one big winter and think, "Oh, good, it's over." But I mean, how depleted are we? I mean, do you have numbers on just how depleted our reservoirs are and how dry? I think the saturation level of our grounds another interesting measure, especially on forest lands. That there's, it's very, you know, how bad is it?
2: Yeah, I don't have those numbers uh, for our reservoirs. That's something that our water resources. Okay division would have. Um, But again, like I said, it's been eight out of the 10 years that we've been in drought condition. So it's not, it's not like it's something that's just been happening overnight. It's been going on for a while and it could continue to go on. You know, that's, that's something like you mentioned with the, with with the weather, you don't know if you're going to wake up and have a bunch of snow in the mountains tomorrow Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, the next month. So just continually conserving Water will put us in a good mindset to be able to hold on to the resources that we currently have.
0: Let me ask: Are there any current fire bans um, throughout the state at this time, or firework bans? Obviously, with the fest, you know, the, the fireworks season coming up with July Fourth and Pioneer Day, um, are there going to be restrictions you foresee coming out for outdoor fires in general? Uh, is that a, is no, that a municipal thing, municipal, municipal, uh, municipality?
2: No, no statewide at least fire restrictions that we are aware of. Uh, not that we're aware of that we have uh, implemented at this time, um, but as we get farther into the season, uh, those will be posted on our uh, Utah Fire Info social media pages, as well as sent out, you know, in the in the areas. Um, but with fireworks, remember that yes, you can buy fireworks early, but we can only light them off during certain periods of time around those holidays. I believe it's two days before, two days after. that's the fourth and the 24th so other than that don't light off your fireworks Mm -hmm. and also don't light them off on public lands because that's always against the law
0: okay that's good to know we we were actually moab is i think because of our terrain it's not necessarily the most prone to you know widespread fires even though we've had them so we're often able to have a fireworks display in our town which if, if we see a lot of people from Colorado, let me tell you, that come in because they cannot have firework displays up in those highly forested mountain towns. So, you know, yeah. come to Moab and enjoy the heat and the fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Heat's usually on in July. We're praying for a big monsoon season, too. And it's been that seems to, to have not been as great as it's been um, historically. Like it's just even in my existence of 25 years here, it seems awfully light of the last few years, the monsoon cycle through here. Are you seeing that too?
2: Our predictive services, we've got a group of meteorologists with the Great Basin Coordination Center who kind of forecast the fire season for us. And they're the ones that are telling us June and July are going to be pretty dry. Um, They are hopeful that the monsoon weather will push up uh, in August. And so that could really help us and bring that fire danger down. Um, But again, that's a four-month forecast. And so a lot can change in that time period that we you know we can say oh yeah we're going to get it but it might not show up because we've seen that in the past you know they say oh we're going to get a monsoon doesn't show up so this year it's being looked at that there's that possibility um but again it's it's hard to know until it actually gets here
0: And people should be conserving water just like never before <laughs>
2: <laughs> correct
0: correct and be careful with matches and fires. I mean, it's interesting how camping has sort somewhat changed. That there's less people maybe in tents um, and camping like with around a fire. That you do find the gentrification of camping means they have quite plush accommodations instead of the tent, which is also a less likelihood that they're going to need a fire. So that also is a benefit in a sense, as long as they're not dragging chains, right?
2: Correct. That's the that's the big one when it comes to the trailers. You know, yeah. like you said, they might not want to start a f- campfire. But it's the dragging the chains and starting a fire off the side of a road mm-hmm. um, that has become a big issue. And that's one of our bigger causes as well is dragging those equipment chains, those trailer chains, or having a flat tire and oh. you throw a spark from the rim or you, it's not maintained. And so the brakes metal on metal will cause a spark and that can get into dry brush or if you do have an incident, you pull your vehicle off the side of the road, and that hot catalytic converters in some higher dry grass.
0: And is, a is there some any type of criminality for having a vehicle that's doing that because of the danger it causes, or is that just a personal thing that have to be people have to monitor that for themselves?
2: Um, well, we ask them to monitor that, you know, themselves. But there is a uh, criminal or a legal aspect to it if you start Uh, there is there is there that responsibility to do it Um, i don't know all the details related to like what that would be or how it happens but you know we have a chief investigator he investigates the start of the fire and then he determines if you know charges criminal charges or whatever are warranted
0: um, I was going to ask another question in regards to that. Let me ask you just that because I'm looking out the window here, and it seems really hazy. Are we seeing some of the smoke drifting over from New Mexico, or is it just dust from the high winds? Can you-, <laughs> you know,
2: it, it's it's hard to tell because the as we saw um, throughout a lot of the state last year, yeah. the the wind from California would blow that smoke in. So it's very possible that you are seeing, you know, that smoke from those California fires. I don't know. For sure, yeah. if that is what you're seeing, um, but there is that possibility, and so if we want to keep our our air clean throughout the summer, you know we we also want to have the region be free of fire, not just the state of Utah.
0: Yeah, it was really sad. I heard a lot of the big fires in California were basically arson fires. I mean, it wasn't even accidental. I mean, it was that's even when it. What happens to those individuals that? you know, do start a fire. I mean, what is the degree of prosecution for them? I mean, the, the, the retribution that's taken from the state or somebody. Well, it's the sheriff's in, department.
2: <laughs> in, in those situations, like I said, we have a chief investigator. He investigates yeah. the fires yeah. um, and determines the cause. You know, was it negligence? Was it arson? Whatever it was. And then we'll determine whether we, you know, how, how we pursue that. Yeah. Uh, usually the state will pr- pursue, you um, to get money back for the cost of suppression. Sure, makes sense. Um, you know, there, there's other things that go with that as well, but it's, it's on a case-by-case case situation. Um, but we will, as a state, try to recoup those suppression costs if possible.
0: One thing I'm not sure if it was from your office, but we did have a Fire Sense um, public service announcement that came from one of the offices that was regularly played by all the DJs. So I would definitely encourage you to consider doing that. Just a quick thirty second reminder for people to get some common sense. Stop ninety <laughs> percent of the fires. I mean, that's incredible actually to see that number. But it doesn't surprise me in the least. Knowing yeah. us. <laughs> But Carl, listen, time is short. We're on to the top of the air. I want to thank you very much for taking time in Zoom to be with us this afternoon and for, for such sure. sage advice too. And it's, I hope everybody's listening with open ears because it's very important. Again, thanks for your time.
2: Yes, it is. Thank you.
0: All right. That was Carl Hunt. Um, Again, thanks to all you listeners for being such a dedicated group. Did we tell you how wonderful you are? You're the best listeners on earth. I wasn't kidding when I said that. We just blew all the records at the last Radiothon. Not that we'll make it any easier in the fall, I'm sure. But we'll glow in the, the gratitude that you showed us over the last, um, and last month and allowing us to broadcast a we while longer. Have a safe week, everyone. And don't start any fires, please.
1: You can catch This Week in Moab on the KZMU Airwaves most Mondays at 5 p.m.